America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It's not only a great day for this great nation, it's a great day for the Republican Party. No, really it is. It's uh, because today is a day when there are now three new candidates for president. By the way, all three of whom are credible. And this is one of those things that uh, don't believe what you hear in uh, so-called mainstream media, where they make fun of the Republican rodeo or the Republican clown car. They describe the Republican battle for the presidency as an overcrowded hot tub or a circus tent or a multi-flavored milkshake. There was actually an apology to Chris Christie about that one. But really, listening to Mike Pence today and listening to Chris Christie last night and reading uh, Doug Burgum, who is a, a credible candidate for president. Now, is he going to win? It would take all kinds of miracles and strange, uh, haunted kinds of events for Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, to win. But he has been a terrific governor. And you look at the results that he's gotten in North Dakota, and you look at his background and the kind of character that he has displayed in successfully building a business, Great Plains Software, that made Fargo, North Dakota, uh, a, a major force in high-tech uh, uh, business. And this is a guy who could very credibly be president. One of the things that has occurred to me is that uh, last time people looked at uh, the the race for president and uh, the race for president, when I say last time, I mean the last time that there was a contested Republican race for the presidency, which was not 2020, of course, because President Trump was the incumbent. And basically he he didn't have any real competition for the nomination. But he certainly had competition for the nomination, and lots of it, in 2016. And you may remember there were so many people running in 2016, there were 17 of them, that they had to divide the debate, debate uh, participants into varsity and junior varsity. And uh, they had all kinds of people, um, most of whom, frankly, were not going to be credible presidents. They just weren't. And uh, remember at one point Ben Carson was a major front runner. He was actually ahead of the pack and uh, Ben Carson is a very good guy. I think he's a wonderful American. He's an exemplary human being but he wasn't really nothing in his background made him credible to be president of the United States. And the same was true of Carly Fiorina, who was at one point a very serious candidate. I, I heard Carly Fiorina delivering a speech at CPAC that was just um, electrifying. She was terrific. But a credible president based on her background? This time, there are tons of people who have been governors, not just senators. Last time we had senators like Lindsey Graham was running. And Marco Rubio was running, neither of whom have had any executive experience. 
And uh, and there was a guy named Trump <laughs> who was running who did not have uh, political executive experience uh, and had ex- experience running a number of uh, extremely dubious companies, etc., and a TV show. Okay, so leave that aside. This time, when you you listen to Mike Pence and you look at his background and his background in the House of Representatives, uh, which was deeply impressive, his four years as governor of Indiana and his four years as vice president, where one of the points that they were making is that even according to people who are very critical of President Trump, they give uh, Mike Pence a great deal of credit for helping uh, President Trump avoid some potentially disastrous mistakes. And uh, Pence today released a video. The video was meh, it was all right, Uh, but his speech was terrific. He gave a speech in Ann Kenny, Iowa. And uh, there's even a description in Slate where they're very hostile to Mike Pence, but they recognize that there is a potential series of events that could make Mike Pence the next president of the United States. How would that work? We'll get to that. First, here is uh, the announcement by Mike Pence of his candidacy and uh, a general indication of what he plans to do. This is clip one. Before God and my family, I'm announcing that I'm running for president of the United States of America. I know we can bring this country back. We can defend our nation and secure our border. We can revive our economy and put our nation back on a path to a balanced federal budget. We can defend our liberties and give America a new beginning for life. But it'll require new leadership in the White House and the Republican Party. The crises we face, to borrow a phrase, are all man-made. And that man is Joe Biden. So the first step to turning America around is ending this disastrous presidency. So here in Iowa, we must resolve that Joe Biden will never be reelected as president of the United States. And, uh, of course, that's uh, somebody who's competing in the Iowa caucuses and wants the people who are very devoted uh, to the Republican Party and to a conservative point of view, and very often in the state of Iowa to a conservative Christian point of view, which uh, Mike Pence exemplifies far better, far better than either uh, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, And uh, Pence actually got to talking about January 6th, which is held against him, according to many of the statements by people in the crowds. And and basically, pollsters indicate that people hold against him the fact that he stood for the Constitution and for integrity on January 6th. He talks about it. Clip two. January 6th was a tragic day in the life of our nation. But thanks to the courage of law enforcement, the violence was quelled, and we reconvened the Congress the very same day to complete the work 
of the American people under the Constitution of the United States. As I've said many times, on that fateful day, President Trump's words were reckless. They endangered my family and everyone at the Capitol. But the American people deserve to know that on that day, President Trump also demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. Now voters will be faced with the same choice. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. Uh, okay, the polite applause uh, for all of that. They, uh, um, they make clear that uh, in CNN, their coverage of his uh, announcement video, which was before the speech, uh, the uh, Pence argues in the video, which makes no mention of Trump and features no images of the former president, well, he made plenty of mention of him in the speech, that different times call for different leadership and that the nation needs a leader that will appeal, as Lincoln said, to the better angels of our nature. Uh, yes, that is an appropriate appeal. Uh, and uh, they, they interviewed... Uh, Bob uh, Vanderplatz, who is a, a very significant leader of the evangelical community in Iowa, who hasn't endorsed a candidate yet, but he is taking uh, Pence very seriously. He plans to campaign, Pence does, heavily in Iowa, hitting all 99 counties, as his team sees a path for him to secure the nomination by winning over the state's evangelical conservative voters who have soured on Trump. More later, and then the Christie announcement, and for real excitement, the Burgum announcement, coming up. Medved show just in terms of people who are very well qualified to take over the presidency of the United States to become commander-in-chief to actually run this country uh, the Republicans have an array of candidates now that should all be taken seriously uh, who am I talking about I'm talking about uh, yes Mike Pence former vice president former very successful uh, governor of Indiana and a, uh, a member of the House of Representatives, a leader in the House of Representatives, and uh, talking about uh, Ron DeSantis, who has been both a three-term member of the House of Representatives and a very successful governor now in his second term, and uh, somebody who's served our country in uniform as well. And I'm talking about Nikki Haley, who uh, was both a tremendously successful, very popular governor for two terms of South Carolina and uh, an ambassador to the United Nations. And I'm talking, yes, about Chris Christie, who was a dynamite federal prosecutor and was able to win the governorship and have a very successful governorship, lowered taxes, fixed the pension system, brought down crime, uh, brought down crime in the city of Camden remarkably. Uh, Christie had real accomplishments as governor of New Jersey. 
And I'm talking about yet another governor and yet another former congressman who knows both the Congress and how it works and the way that governorship, uh, executive leadership works, Asa Hutchinson. And, yes, I'm talking about the little-known but uh, deserves to be much better known, a governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, who announced his candidacy today. He did it via a fine piece in the Wall Street Journal. And he, as a successful businessman and entrepreneur, is emphasizing very much economic issues. Uh, Pence, yes, talked about economic issues at his announcement in Ann Kenny, uh, Iowa. He's going to be campaigning all over the state of Iowa. He's going to basically do what Rick Santorum did to win a tie in the Iowa caucuses and to put his campaign on track. He won 11 primaries back in 2012, Rick Santorum. And uh, Mike Pence could follow the same blueprint. The the one thing, well, we'll get to how it's possible even that Mike Pence, given the fact that there are so many people who still hold it against him, that he didn't uh, try to overturn the results of the election. The, the truth of the matter is, I do believe that the more people actually look at what happened on January 6th, and uh, the more that Mike Pence can talk about it the way he did in his announcement today, the less likely it is that people are going to go for the idea that uh, all these folks who attacked police officers and put them in the hospital and uh, smeared feces on uh, the capital of the United States and uh, broke into various parts of our Capitol building, that those people all are American heroes who deserve uh, some kind of pardon, which is an outrageous thought. Here is uh, Mike Pence from his speech this morning in Ankeny, Iowa, announcing his candidacy. Clip three. I love this country. I've dedicated my life to serving it. So I have a few things to ask. First, I ask for your support. Because I believe in my heart that we can turn this country around. What we did once, we will do again. What we had not long ago, we will have once more, but even better. And uh, again, uh, what he is talking about is reaching out to some of those people who uh, believe that he was somehow a, a this very loyal and effective vice president was somehow a traitor to President Trump because he put the Constitution and duty over partisan advantage. And uh, Pence concluded this way with his announcement of candidacy speech this morning. Clip four. You know, a careful study of American history shows that every time the American people have been called upon to do hard things. The American people have always risen to the challenge. We crossed the Delaware River. We weathered the terrible winter at Valley Forge. We, we faced redoubts at Yorktown. We held the hills of Gettysburg. We fought through the wilderness and threw open the doors of Richmond's slave jails, all to save the Constitution and renew its promise of equality and freedom. We stormed the sands and scaled the cliffs of Normandy. We, we drove tanks through the gates of Dachau. We planted the stars and stripes on Mount Suribachi, on Iwo Jima, and saved civilization. We marched on Washington, 
and won the right of suffrage for America's women. We, we marched over the Edmund Pettus Bridge and ended segregation. We built rockets and flew them to the moon, leaving the Russians in our exhaust. And we built the largest economy, the greatest military in history, and we buried the Soviet Union beneath it. So I ask you to remember who we are. Freedom's story, the American story, has only just begun. And the best days of the greatest nation on earth are yet to come. So let's get to work. Thank you. And God bless you. And God bless America. Okay, one of the things that uh, I think that, that Trump uh, has a very, very different viewpoint on than, uh, than Mike Pence is the relevance of Reaganism. And what you just heard, sort of sort of little summary of American history there and America's accomplishments, is very Reagan-esque. And delivering this speech the way he did was Reagan-esque. And for a lot of us who remember what terrible shape America was in in 1980 when President Reagan ran for president the time, second time, actually. He had run in 1976, didn't get the nomination. But uh, President Reagan really did bring mourning in America. And that's what uh, Mike Pence can offer. Bob Vanderplatz, who is head of the Family Leader, which is a, a major pro-family organization, Christian evangelical organization in Iowa, uh, says evangelicals are very wide open in Iowa and beyond Iowa in looking for the candidate who they want to support. Uh, Vanderplatz, who has not yet endorsed in the primary but has known Pence personally for years, said that Iowans have received Pence exceptionally well during his visits to the state ahead of his former announcement. In breaking with Trump, however, Pence may have alienated some of Trump's most loyal supporters. The former vice president has publicly criticized Trump over his assertion that Pence had the authority to overturn the 2020 election results. But he has not taken to aim at Trump's character and has repeatedly said that he's proud of their administration's record. I think every candidate is going to have their hill to climb or a hurdle to cross. Uh, said Bob Vanderplass, and that is probably going to be Mike Pence's. So how does he accomplish that? And uh, are we really stuck with Biden and Trump? And if so, why? We'll talk to columnist Megan McArdle coming up. And on the Michael Medved Show, every once in a while, you read a column that surprises you with its insight. It makes a point that you hadn't thought of, and you think, you know what? She may be right. And that was the case when I uh, read Megan McArdle's column in the Washington Post. Uh, the column was called Three Reasons We're Stuck with Trump and Biden. Uh, is she right about that? Megan McArdle is a Washington Post columnist. She is a best-selling author of The Upside of Down, Why Failing Well is the Key to Success. Okay, right now, why is the assumption that everybody was trying to offer an alternative to the duopoly of Trump and Biden is doomed to failure, Megan McArdle? Why does it seem like we're stuck with these guys? 
Well, you know, I think I've been asking that question a lot. Um, and specifically, you know, we've got really high poll numbers saying that even Democratic voters think that, that Biden is too old. There are also concerns about Trump's age. He's not that much, you know, not that much younger than Biden. And so just I've been four asking, years. Well, how did we just four years? How did we get to the point where on Election Day we're going to have one candidate who's going to be 78 and the other one who will already be in his 80s? And I've come up with three theories for this. And the first is just that, you know, more than we really like to admit, American politics rewards celebrity. In European parliamentary systems, sometimes, you know, it's just you're voting for a party list and the party will decide who gets it. Um, and you can sort of work your way up that by being a, uh, a loyal party member. But in the United States, you need to attract voters. And that means that often name recognition wins. And if you look at the last race, who was the most famous candidate? Joe Biden was vice president and Donald Trump was a reality TV star. And if you think about it that way, well, you know, older people have more time to accumulate fame than other people. and Maybe that is the explanation. But I don't think it's all of the explanation um, because old people also have more time to lose fame. I think if you are my age, I'm 50, you you just watch people, um, you know, you talk to kids and they're like, and you make some offhanded cultural reference and they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the original Star Wars or something like that. Um so one other thought is that maybe it's because voters are getting older and they identify with uh, Biden and Trump. But I don't think that's quite it either. I think the thing that is actually most worrying and most plausible to me is that they are speaking in a register of American politics that comes from a time when American politics was much less ideologically divided, much less fiercely partisan, um, much more determined by the working class rather than this educational divide. And that these guys speak in that register and that younger politicians who are much more likely to be elite educated and part of this highly educated elite culture, that they struggle to match. And that, you know, that really sets up the question of what happens? These guys aren't going to be with us forever. And what happens when that generation is gone? How do we bridge a gap in a country in which two thirds of the electorate is still not college educated? Yeah. And that's funny because, of course, it goes directly to one of the concerns uh, today that is actually uh, addressing what you're talking about. When you talk about people like Ron DeSantis with his undergraduate degree from Yale and his law degree from Harvard, uh, yeah, that's uh, somebody who's part of the super educated minority in the United States. But Mike Pence, uh, who announced his candidacy today, did you see his uh, announcement of candidacy, Megan? I'm afraid I didn't. I was working on a different column, and uh, I sort of followed it offhandedly on Twitter, but I did not watch the whole thing. I'll tell you, it was good. I mean, there's, no one could watch that performance and uh, just d dismiss him as someone who has it impossible to connect with, uh, with ordinary Americans, which is what you're talking about. That's sort of the gift of Biden and Trump. And uh, Mike, Mike Pence seems to have that ability as, as well. Uh, one of the things that people are talking about is that if the DeSantis campaign uh, continues to underperform, uh, there's some speculation that he might drop out before the election. That's what some failing right. candidates do, including that's what... Uh, uh, Kamala Harris did and why she didn't get a single delegate and if if Ron DeSantis isn't there 
Wouldn't you think that uh, Pence would be a, a much more viable contender in Iowa? Uh, certainly than some of his competitors. Um, look, I think that I, I will say a few things. One is that, you know, the party is still for good or for ill, not my guy. Uh, it is Trump's party. And a lot of Trump's voters are mad at at Pence over refusing to certify the vote. Now, I think that uh, refusing to interfere with the certification of that, I think that Pence was completely correct. And when he says he did not have the constitutional authority to do that, he is right. He did not have that authority, and it would not have worked either. If he had done it, a court would have stopped it. Um, but I feel like a lot of Trump voters are still mad about that. And I think, I think it's going to be a struggle, not because you can't talk to those voters, but because, you know, Trump is he is an egomaniac he is it's all about him and i think you know his claims about the election his attempts to get uh, pence to overturn it were phenomenally destructive to the party and while i would like to say that i think pence could heal that um i'm not sure the party is ready for that uh i i'm i'm willing however and hopeful to to be convinced otherwise but if, uh, if if not mike pence who just announced his candidacy today there are a lot of other people and a lot of big money, including supposedly $60 million from Larry Ellison of Oracle. Uh, going to Tim Scott, uh, does Tim Scott seem to you a viable Trump alternative for the Republicans? Look, I love, I love Tim Scott. I think he combines, you know, he hits some of the notes uh, about the kind of anti-elitist notes that I think of are going to be a prerequisite for uh, for winning in a, a Republican primary, but he combines it with a kind of Reaganite optimism that I really like. I obviously think that you know there is no better way to heal some of the bitter racial divides that we've had in in our country recently than to nominate a great conservative black president. Um, and I also just like Tim Scott personally. I find his personal story incredibly compelling. I think the way he talks about faith and opportunity um, are great. They're really compelling, and I would love to see that be the nominee. Is that enough? I don't know. Certainly, I you know I would I would be more than happy to vote for for Tim Scott uh, come next November. I just think as a, the question that is just in my mind that I don't have an answer yet is what is the party willing to do? Are they willing to ditch Trump on what I think is the correct evaluation that um, regardless of what you think of him, he is going to cost the party, um, or are they going to just kind of stick with him out of loyalty, which is something that Republican voters have often you know, been very prone to do is they just feel like, you know, you have to be loyal to, to the, the you go the, with the guy that brought you to the dance and they're going to they're going to try to return him because he's their guy. Um, and I just don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. What's interesting to me is that uh, I don't think there are any of the other candidates who have fully signed on to Trump's uh, belief, which is at the very core of his being and his candidacy, that he won the election in 2020, that the election was stolen. Uh, that's not being put forward, certainly not by Mike Pence or Chris Christie or Asa Hutchinson or Doug Burgum uh, or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. Uh, and. Uh, that idea that we may move past the stolen election sounds to me like uh, good news for the Republican Party. Uh, Megan McArdle, thanks for the enlightening conversation and the enlightening column. It's posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com. Uh, Megan is a uh, columnist for the Washington Post. When we come back, why a number of other people think the future, long term, for the Republican Party is 
bright. Really bright. We'll get to it. On the Michael Medved Show, with the campaign taking new shape today, with the entrance into the race of Chris Christie last night, uh, he had a very successful speech in his own terms. He's going after President Trump and going to confront him. And then uh, Mike Pence uh, offering a different, very different alternative to Donald J. Trump, uh, and one that uh, takes pride and some pride that Mike Pence is entitled to with some of the real accomplishments of the Trump administration, uh, including, by the way, uh, some of the successes in Middle East policy. Early in the administration, Mike Pence uh, gave a speech to the parliament in Israel, the Knesset, and it, it honestly, the whole speech was published in the Wall Street Journal, and it 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 really echoed around the world and there are Israelis who still talk about it and that is that is something that Mike Pence can do and can bring to this race but uh, there was a piece in the New York Times over the weekend and they had uh, assembled all of the New York uh, pardon me I said New York Times it's Washington Post it's not the New York Times and they had assembled all of the columnists from the conservative point of view or even the moderately conservative point of view who work for the Washington Post people like uh, Mark Thiessen and Jim Garrity and Ramesh Panuru uh, they had everybody there except for uh, George Will but uh, Jason Willick had this to say and he said I think the GOP field says something good about the party between DeSantis, Haley, Christie, Pence, and even Youngkin, who hasn't gotten in yet, this uh, field could showcase competent Republican executive leadership in a range of states. Tim Scott is a good senator, but it's probably time for the uh, best, it's probably for the best that he's the only senator in the race. The upper chamber has become too much of a forum for presidential auditions. We don't really have a field, however, so much as a Trump against all throwdown. If the electorate were limited to voters with college degrees, it would probably select someone other than Trump. Non-college voters, who are more numerous, however, are simply less bothered by Trump's flaws than most Republicans in Washington are. Uh, Trump has managed to be ideologically flexible. He writes without being perceived as squishy or moderate. Instead, his ideological unpredictability is perceived as authentic by his supporters. And I have to say that uh, DeSantis's scripted delivery on his Twitter launch, which was a disaster, didn't give me confidence that he can compete on that level. Uh, what we saw with the launching of uh, Christie and Pence was a much more professional job in terms of the speech writing, the preparation, and then the delivery. Mark Thiessen, in this same forum in the Washington Post, says the polls show that the vast majority of Americans do not want a Trump-Biden rematch. 
If you take them both out of the picture and put our bench up against the Democrats, the future is very bright. We have an embarrassment of riches. Unfortunately, our system seems poised to give the American people exactly what they don't want. A limited choice between Trump and Biden. And then Jim Garrity of uh, National Review has this to say. He says, for a long stretch now, a growing percentage of voters in the Republican presidential primary, and in some cases gubernatorial and senatorial and House primaries too, have wanted the craziest person in the race. This observation is not going to make me popular, but pick the craziest one is a dumb way of picking nominees and presidents. You would not want the craziest person to be your child's pediatrician. You would not the, want the craziest person to be the admiral of a naval fleet. You would not want the craziest person to be your boss. And you would not want the craziest person to be your child's teacher, although maybe you've watched the feed of libs of TikTok and discovered that your child's teacher is in fact crazy. By normal measurements, writes Jim Garrity, Republicans have a terrific selection of options in this cycle. Alas, there's still a strong appetite for the craziest candidate in the race. And I think we all know which dining companion of Ye, formerly known as Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, wins on that criterion. Um, and then finally, uh, Mark Thiessen says, says this in this conversation. He says, just over 50% of Republicans are backing Trump. And it was below 50% until the New York indictment, which caused a rallying effect. That means about half don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. Half of Republicans. And many more are on the fence. There's a struggle for the soul of the GOP, but there are a lot of ways that Trumpism and Reaganism are compatible. When you take Trump the man out of the picture, it will be possible to build a coalition of Trump and Reagan Republicans. And uh, that, that is what we need. And uh, this is one of those things that uh, Chris Christie was not aiming for because he was uh, too directly uh, a hostile, and I think it's fair to use that term, toward the last Republican president, the guy who lost in 2020. And by the way, at some point in the course of this campaign, uh, is Trump still going to continue insisting that he actually won in 2020? Does that help? Is he going to pick someone like Kerry Lake for his... Uh, uh, his vice presidential running mate? I don't think so. Uh, this is what it sounded like when uh, Chris Christie uh, announced his candidacy for president at a town hall at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire last night. This is clip nine. At the end of it, you will have no doubt in your mind who I am and what I stand for and whether I deserve it. So that's why I came back to St. Anselm's and that's why I came back to Manchester, and that's why I came back to New Hampshire, to tell all of you that I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024, and I want your support.
And uh, concerning his determination uh, to play rough with uh, the previous nominee, Donald J. Trump, listen. This is clip one. The reason I'm going after Trump is twofold. One, he deserves it. And two, it's the way to win. So these two are not divided. And this is what I understand about the coverage, right? Well, I hope he's not just going out there to kill. No, I am going out there. Let me be very clear. I am going out there to take out Donald Trump, but here's why. I want to win. And I don't want him to win. And guess what? If you put DeSantis and Haley and Pence and Tim Scott, that's it. I'll stop there. On true serum, they tell you the same thing. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. You have to put me on true serum to tell you. Okay? So that's why. There are not multiple lanes to the Republican nomination. That is a political science professor's dream. There is one lane to the Republican nomination, and he's in front of it. And if you want to win, you better go right through him. He's talking about he's in front of it, Donald Trump. Well, Trump has a brand new campaign ad. He also has a response to Chris Christie's announcement last night. We'll play more of that announcement and some of uh, President Trump's response. And uh, a new Tim Scott ad, which is very important. Uh, there's also more information about uh, a new form of vending machines that are popular in Brooklyn, apparently, or at least being tried out in Brooklyn. And a new Gallup poll asking the question, do college students who are currently in the process of uh, getting loans, spending loans, uh, having expensive educations, do they believe that those degrees that they are earning are actually worth the cost. Uh, we will be covering that. And uh, by the way, an unusual tribute to a professional wrestler. Why does he deserve it? Uh, we will get to that and to much more in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Sign up today for the free.